It is reserved in heaven for us who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. Holy fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not of you. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started in our study of First Peter. Well, hi there, and welcome back to Hope of Our Calling. This is our third week in First Peter, and we are at verse 3 of chapter 1. Last week we covered uh, quite a bit of terminology. We covered apostle, pilgrims, elect, foreknowledge of God, sanctification of the Spirit, obedience and sprinkling the blood of Jesus Christ, grace and peace. A lot of ground, a lot of, lot of biblical words that I feel it's important to understand. In order to get as much from God's word as we can, we need to understand some of the themes that run through it. And we'll be doing that again today. But I have a few questions for you before we begin. Through this week, did you ponder what it meant to be a pilgrim in the world? And as you meditated on that, did it give you peace, joy, understanding, and hope? How did you feel to know that God has known all along that you would be right here, right now? That you would be desiring His truth in your heart and mind? And have you been allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life, to sanctify your life? Have you been listening to His beautiful, still, small voice saying, This is the way, walk in it? Have you been asking? Remember Proverbs 3, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Have you been doing that? And have you been listening? And have you been hearing? In the midst of all of that, did you realize that God was there? And that His plan and purpose is to finish what He's begun in your life. So when we looked at verses 1 and 2, how the Apostle Peter was writing to the dispersed or the pilgrims, those who were and are no longer at home in this world, those who have chosen to choose God's way, not man's way, those who have surrendered to the sanctification process of the Holy Spirit in their lives, leading to obedience and thus cleansing by the shed blood of Jesus, which opened heaven's downpour of grace and peace, knowing that they and we are never alone, but walk through this life cleansed by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ and continually guided and comforted by the Holy Spirit. After this greeting, Peter starts verse 3 with a praise. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, 
ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, there's a lot of biblical terminology in these three verses. So I want to just back up and we'll go bit by bit. All right, so blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. My question is, do we stop and give praise to the Lord for the endless blessings that he pours out on us every single day? Are we eager, as eager, for his word as we were when we first learned of his mercy and grace? The redemption for sinners who were unaware of the cost of sin. Remember in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My question is, are you still as passionate in having a relationship with the Lord God Almighty as you were in the beginning? Do you understand that His Word is our source of eternal life? It is our eternal lifeblood. Do you realize that His living Word is the power of salvation and sanctification that we spoke about last week? In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Is that how you feel about his word? His word is also the revelation of a bridegroom, a bride, and a bridal price. Our groom, Jesus Christ, came to pay the bridal price for us, his bride. And one day, we will see him face to face. Do we understand that His Word should be our source of peace and strength and wisdom and knowledge, discernment and understanding? This is where the Holy Spirit, that sanctification of the Spirit we talked about last week comes in. It's when we're constantly turning to His Holy Spirit for wisdom, for knowledge, for for understanding, for discernment. And with that peace, in order for us to be crying out, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be learning about Him. And that comes from His Word. Verse 3 goes on to say, Who has, according to His abundant mercy, begotten us again to a living hope. Okay, this is a very big concept. And it runs through the New Testament We see it in John 3, 3, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says to him, how is it that you, a teacher, do not understand? You must be born again. When we receive the revelation of God's mercy or we receive Jesus' extravagant love displayed at Calvary as payment for our sin and as the purchase price for our redemption, In that belief and acceptance comes the surrender of our will. It's kind of like when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew that he was going to suffer the burden of all sin for all humanity, for all time. 
And he was going to pay the cost for all of that, even though he was perfect and led a perfect, sinless life. He was anguishing. And he said to his father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. This is what comes over every born-again believer. We get to that point that we understand that God's ways are higher than ours. They are past our understanding. But through His Word, we glean, we harvest, we, we get the understanding that God loves us and God has a plan. And therefore, we submit our will and say, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We agree to die to ourselves so that His Spirit might have the headship of all our desires, all our dreams, all our strengths. We surrender our lives. And we're going to cover more about being born again as we continue in 1 Peter because he brings this concept up frequently. Let me basically illustrate it this way for today. The natural man is body, mind, and spirit. The mind is ruled over by the body and the body appetites or our lusts. The born-again man is a spiritual man. He is born by the Spirit. And born again means that we are now living a spirit mind body existence. And that we are led by the very Spirit of God that is given to us as a deposit at that moment we die to ourselves, we surrender our will, and we ask God to fill us. He gifts us with a deposit of His Spirit, which becomes the communication link between us and God for all wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and discernment. We become a Spirit-led man. Elizabeth Elliot wrote, Those who live on the level of the lower nature have an outlook formed by it, and that spells death. But those who live on the level of spirit have a spiritual outlook, and that is life and peace. Living a life in the spirit carries us into an eternal perspective. It blesses us with power and with peace. God's mercy in not only delivering us from our sin, but also gifting us with the riches of heaven through His Spirit, carries us from this world into the eternal, even today. Verse 3 goes on to say, Begotten again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Note that the scriptures go on to explain exactly how this gift of living hope occurs through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember last week when we spoke about Jesus meeting the disciples on the road to Emmaus and how they had misinterpreted the events that happened three days previously when Jesus was crucified. 
all of their hope was completely crushed. Because remember, they said, we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. When they saw all that they hoped for nailed to the cross at Calvary and dying, all of their hope was extinguished. But Jesus goes on to explain to these men who don't understand yet that they're walking with the resurrected Christ. He exhorted them that they were looking at things from an earthly perspective and not the spiritual or the eternal. Remember, God's word is spiritual. It is spiritually discerned. It needs the Holy Spirit to unlock it, open it up, that we might understand. He directed them to the scriptures and enlightened their understanding from Moses through the prophets that the Messiah was going to not only be Messiah King, but he was also going to be Messiah Sacrifice so that he could be Messiah Servant. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. And does that jog your memory at all? A tree of life. I want to encourage you. I don't have time today, but I want to encourage you. Do a word study on the tree of life. And then bring in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Because in Revelation, Jesus is talking to the church at Ephesus. He exhorts them that they have left their first love and they needed to repent. The message that Jesus brought. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 7, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give you to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of of the paradise of God. Like I said, I don't have time to go into it today, but I want you to think of this. Unpack these scriptures. Recall that Jesus died on a tree. The very first mention of the tree of life is in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, but it is also listed in the book of Revelation several times. Do your homework. You will be blessed. We're being called to be overcomers. And we're being called to receive this living hope because Jesus, our Redeemer, rose from the dead and then offered that resurrected life to us. And we must never allow the things of the world, the earthly things, to rob, steal, or destroy our joy in Christ. In other words, our first love. He is the Redeemer he is our bridegroom who one day again we will see face to face and drink with him in his father's house that bridal cup. He is our living hope because he conquered death and gave us the victory. In 1 Corinthians it says, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law. We are born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This is the title of today's study. We have an inheritance. In Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, he prays that they might know what is the hope of their calling. That is why I call my ministry Hope of Our Calling. I want to help people understand we are chosen, we are called, we are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God, we are His masterpiece. He is doing something. He has created us for a purpose. We need to understand the hope of our calling, that our joy might be full. Do you know what is the hope that God has for you in the future? Do you know of the inheritance that God has for you? The plan that He has for your eternal future? Do you know the glories of dwelling with Him today in His kingdom forever? Paul prayed, Oh, that you might know what is the hope of your calling. Our hope is a living hope because our God is a living God, resurrected, conquered death, and gave us the victory. He paid our price. The Life Application Study Bible says, Christians now look forward to an inheritance, a priceless inheritance, eternal life in the eternal city of God that God has reserved the inheritance. It will never fade or decay. It is unstained by sin. The best part is that we have an inheritance if we trust Christ as our Savior, if we trust that He paid it all. He paid what I could never pay. He took my punishment and then he gave me the victory. He gave you the victory. It is reserved in heaven for us who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I once wrote a song and in it it said, Oh, the blessedness of being conquered and laying at his feet. And as I rise, surrounded by His glory, I find I am complete. Sweet, sweet surrender. As we surrender, as we believe, God's power encapsulates us and no weapon formed can prosper against us because we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 37, it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God. And here is the caveat. Which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As we look back at our scriptures and as we look through scriptures, we see constantly, I will, I will, I will. Speaking of God, God doing, God doing, God doing. But there comes a time when we must enter the equation. So far, we've covered God's part in redemption. No wonder Peter's worshiping in the start of verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But now, we learn that man has to respond because it says that we're kept by faith. I once heard the acronym, Faith is Fabulous Adventures in... Trusting Him, F-A-I-T-H. But Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For those that come to Him must believe that He is, and He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It's a relationship. You can't expect blessings outside of the relationship. You can't expect eternal life without the relationship. God is not going to bind you and drag you into heaven to have a relationship with him if you've rejected him here. Why would you reject him here and then say, I want heaven down the road? Why not have heaven now? And live the eternal life now. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We must choose Jesus. No one comes to the Father but by Christ Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world. There's not a grandfather clause. There's not a get-out-of-jail-free clause. There is only one way. Jesus, the merciful Savior, who before time began, committed himself to be the supreme sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb of God, paying for the sins of all humanity. Kept through faith. Our part is to believe and receive. We must choose wisely. It goes on to say, because the day is coming when all will be revealed. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, it says, These shall make war with the Lamb, speaking of Jesus, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. We must be faith-filled and faithful. 
The Life Application Study Bible 4, verses 3-5 through 5 in 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Do you need encouragement? Peter's words offer joy and hope in times of trouble. And he bases his confidence on what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We live with the wonderful expectation of eternal life. Our hope is not only for the future. Eternal life begins the moment we trust Jesus and join God's family. God will help us remain true to our faith through whatever difficult times we must face. The last days are the judgment day of Christ described in Romans chapter 14 verse 10 and Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15. No matter what trials or persecutions you may face, your soul cannot be harmed if, big word, if you have accepted Christ's gift of salvation. You then will receive the promised rewards. Beloved, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? Have you received what he did for you? Do you understand and believe that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord? Do you see that God loved the world so much that he himself incarnated himself in his humanity, in his creation, to live and to die in payment for the very sins we commit every single day. But he rose again, defeating the death that awaits every single sinner. Have you received his gift of life? Have you asked him to please help you to be born again in his spirit that you might be endowed with his Holy Spirit to get wisdom, godly wisdom, to not lean on your own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all your ways so that he might direct your path, to elevate yourself to the eternal instead of the temporal, to forsake the lusts of the flesh and live to seek his holiness and be holy as he is holy. There are so many promises, so many things that God wants to teach you in his word. Hunger and thirst for that relationship. So this week, I want you to ponder, do you know the inheritance that God has for you? The plans that he has for your eternal future? Do you believe that he has the power to fulfill it? That he's called you and chosen you and he's faithful. And do you know the glories of dwelling with him? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Ask God for the gift. Next week, we'll start at verse 6, and we'll talk about trials and tribulations, but how the genuineness of our faith is more precious than gold.
The Lord bless you and keep you. See you next week. For more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling, you can email her at kendramartinministries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org.